officially ready to start getting back to doing some podcasting uh, i'm gonna rearrange a couple things in this uh in the format of things that might sound a little different to you might not sound that different at all um i don't know if there's gonna be a bunch for me to go over in this initial episode i'm just more or less trying to knock the dust off but i will be attaching a segment i recorded yesterday with my good buddy dan the man warnick and we're going to do a review of Star Wars Andor series on Disney+. Plus. So that's going to take up most of the movie section. And so, why do I do this podcast? Um, I suppose I, I like kind of putting my thoughts down. I like being able to revisit things like when it ages. I like to kind of go back to like maybe an episode from a year ago and kind of be like, oh yeah, that's what was going on. Those were the things that were happening. Is this a political podcast? No, it is not. Although it can certainly go there and get there. And I don't think I have this sort of mind or heart to stay in politics every week for every episode. Unless I was getting paid for it. If I was getting paid for it, then sure. Let me dive right in. But I'm not. So why dwell there? Uh, so... My approach going forward, I've always enjoyed doing little music reviews, music discussions, movie reviews, movie discussions, occasionally video game stuff that's coming out or in the news, occasionally science stuff or philosophy stuff, as you know, but the science stuff and philosophy stuff kind of is similar to the politics and just weekly news element. So I think that stuff will be a little more random going forward, the science and the news stuff, politics, but I think I have a new approach for it. I'm going to be integrating my Facebook page for this. Maybe that'll change one day, but for now, all the articles and things I post on my Facebook page, I'm recording on a Monday. I'm going to look at last week's posts that I made of articles, maybe even memes that are interesting. And we're just going to go through them together, almost like a weekly, like, catching up on what was on the page thing. So, I'll so say there's an article, right? I'll jump right in. We'll read the top part of it, see what it is, see what it do. If it engages me, it does. If it doesn't, whatever. And you'll, you let me know if you like the, the format. Then once we get that done, we'll go over any music stuff, movie stuff, and call it good. So let's get started. 
we'll keep up the uh, what you sipping on thing, especially if I ever have guests again, which I will. Sevia. It's a little too early in the evening to be drinking, me thinksin. Ah, at least for me. If I start this early, I just keep going. So, let's pull this up. I think one thing I need to remember on this podcast as well is there could be a little bit of dead air. It's all right. I think you you all are going to be okay. But feel free to write me at thejacobwayneshow at gmail.com if you're like, fuck that, talk the whole time straight through. So, let's see. We'll take a look-see here. It is the 16th today. We're going as far back as the 9th. Hmm. Okay. Not a lot of articles this, uh... This time around. And. Oh. Well here you go. Rest in peace to Jeff Beck. Uh, great guitar player. Um, I had one bluegrass buddy that can't stand him. But I think it's just because Jeff Beck is really good. And he's tired of hearing all those like classic rock songs. That's as far as I know. Maybe he has a legit criticism. But as far as I know Jeff Beck is. An amazing innovator, and I don't even know if he got as much credit as he deserved. Um, that being said, I never listened to it a bunch. Um, I'll take, I'll tell you one album I loved of his, though. I gotta find it. <clears throat> it was like a solo record that I think came out in about two thousand. Oh yeah, two thousand and one. You had it coming. That album was introduced to me by my buddy Jeff. And back when I had that little brick iPod. And you just would throw it on shuffle. And it would just shuffle all your thousands of songs. This uh, album was consistently like a thing I would just hang out on. I'd end the shuffle. Just let's do the whole thing. I don't uh, listen to music as much when I'm painting these days. It's a lot more podcasts now, which is actually one of the reasons that inspired me to do a podcast, is I appreciate the format. But, back in the day, throw on You Had It Coming by Jeff Beck, you'd get a solid, about an hour, maybe less, of painting time in. Then he came out with Jeff in 2003, and it was good. But I fell off a little bit and then just never really took in more. But I think I should. So feel free to write in and tell me what Jeff Beck album I should take a deeper look at. Uh, I did have one new band discovery that I was very pleased with. That is Otoboki Beaver. They're a Japanese band. Let's pull up a little bit of their details. I probably should have scanned my page at least before I started this, but oh well. Like I told you, just knocking off the dust a little bit. Otoboki Beaver is a punk rock band from Kyoto, Japan, whose members currently consist of singer Ekorinrin, 
guitarist Yo-Yo Yoshi, Yo-Yo Yoshia, bassist Hiro-Chan, and drummer Kahaukis. The band formed in 2009, and their most recent album, Super Champon, was released in May 2022. So, up on my Facebook page, I posted this, but where I learned of them was them performing live on KEXP in Seattle. If you haven't checked those out, a lot of artists come through and play live on there, and then they toss it up on their YouTube, kind of like the NPR Tiny Desk concerts. And, uh... It was wonderful. Speaking of NPR Tiny Desk Concerts, there was also The Smile, the side project of the two Radiohead guys, um, Johnny Greenwood and the singer. I know the singer's name. It's just not coming to me. You'll you'll know. You're probably screaming. But, uh, you know, we'll get... Yeah, the smile. They're good. Check them out. I have listened to that album a lot. In some ways, more than some of the more recent Radiohead albums. Even though I listen to those quite a bit as well. The smile really scratched an itch that I didn't know I needed scratched. I'll save some of this movie talk for more of the movie type section. Ah, but here's a channel on YouTube you should subscribe to. It is Electronicos Fantasticos. It's these Japanese folk that uh, just grab random electronics like a TV and hook it up to a frying pan and then an amplifier and then a rake or like whatever. Seems like they just attach and smash and plunk it all together. And then they make music with it. It's really great stuff. I don't know if I can describe it much more beyond that. Um, But yeah, just go subscribe to Electronicos Fantasticos. And they are simply wonderful. And you'll enjoy the videos. I hope they make an album one day. Let's see what else we got here. A little more movie type news. Oh, yeah, more movie news. Here, I'll play you this little audio clip. Alright, I forgot I have a different audio source playing right now so as you can tell i haven't done this in a minute but that shouldn't affect the audio of this podcast too much so we'll keep the audio clips a little more clean for next time good to remember Ah, i listened to a live set from the cure which was wonderful if you care to enjoy that that is the cure R-A-H, 2014. Just search that up. It's a really good set there on the old YouTubes. Also, I put up another concert that was posted by MathCore Index, a page on Facebook. This was of Candiria, and it's live at CBGB's in New York 
January 20th, 1996. I highly recommend you look up that concert because they're a great, way ahead of their time band. Um, it says here, they're odd time riff, jazz breaks, integration of hip-hop elements, um, hardcore, heavy metal, like, it's all in there. Um, I've enjoyed most of their records, some more than others, but, like, the main record I would say to check out by them, at least in my opinion, is 300% Density. That came out in 2001. Um, there's a video that came out around then. Let's see if it's the earliest. Yeah, Without Water. It was kind of on heavy rotation in 2001 on... Uh, man, what was that music channel? Not MTV. It's like Much Music or something like that. Yeah, Candiria was on a lot. And that's where I got into them. So that's probably why I like that album. But uh, listen to that. Finally bought the album when I moved to Florida. Tried to force it on my friends. They were not as much into it, but definitely made me love the album. So 300% Density by Candiria. I highly recommend that. I don't know how long this meme has been around, but I've kind of fallen in love with the Brother May I Have Some Loops. The fat cat that's just looking up at the person with Fruit Loops. I'm a big fan. I also posted a quick little video of pre-Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor uh, performing with a band on a local Cleveland TV station. Um, here. The audio might suck. Yeah, does that sound like Nine Inch Nails to you? It's just a little bit in there, more than you might think, but uh, that's a pretty fun one to look up. Just look up pre-Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor Band. You'll probably find it. I guess in some really quick sports news, um, those of you that know me know that I'm a Seattle sports fan. I had favorite tech teams around, you know, like the Utah Jazz for basketball, etc., But uh, I've never really locked down favorite teams in a lot of sports. I'm always like a couple or three or four. But after moving back from China to Seattle, a week later, Seattle won the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos in 2014. And I got to hang out in Seattle as they won the Super Bowl. And it was incredible. And I just really love the fan base up in Seattle for any of the sports, uh, whether it's the Seattle Mariners uh, Seattle Seahawks, I mean, Supersonics, Energy is still in the city, even though they're not around now. They're gonna come back. Got to follow Seattle, like, as they were starting to, uh, sorry, Climate Pledge Arena, it used to be Key Arena, uh, yeah, that whole process of renovating it so they could get a hockey team and was paying attention during all that. Speaking of which, Seattle Kraken are having a wonderful season from the looks of things. I think they just beat some sort of record, like seven or eight games in a row. I don't know if that was a record based on 
road trip wins or something like that. But uh, the main Seattle Seahawks news or Seattle sports news is that the Seahawks made the playoffs, which they weren't expected to this year. So it was kind of like awesome, even though they lost to the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday. And yeah, I guess there was all this Detroit Lions love because the Detroit Lions beat the Packers to keep them out of the playoffs and help Seattle get in. So lots of love to the Detroit Lions. Um, oh. My phone's over there. I am underprepared. But uh, look up Detroit Lions Pokemon fan. It's, it's like Jamal, something like that. But they got a player on their team that's like super into anime and Pokemon and all this other stuff. And he's a really great character. I don't think I've enjoyed an NFL player as much as that. Like quite like that since Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Beast Mode, the legend from the Seattle Seahawks. So I hope the Detroit Lions have a way better season next year and that the Seahawks do as well and they don't run into each other too much. And um, even though the 49ers beat the Seahawks, I hope they beat the Cowboys or the Buccaneers. I think that's how it's going to shake out. I think as I'm recording this, the Buccaneers and Cowboys are about to get started with their playoff game. So I'm going to make a prediction. Tom Brady with the Buccaneers beats the Cowboys. Not basing that on much, but that's my prediction. Uh, In music, somebody that I'm just going to shout out for a friend of mine on the old social medias is Yukihiro Takahashi. Um, I think this song's Sailor to look up but my buddy posted that he had passed away i'm not sure if that was recent or whatever but i gave the song a listen it was pretty pretty good stuff so uh yukihiro takahashi seems like almost like 80s pop to me but from japan it was an interesting mix of things so rest of peace to that guy with that Let's get into some movie news, because I don't really recall any new music release other than check out Otoboki Beaver and check out The Smile. They also released a new live album, um, I think live from some jazz festival. It's really good. Uh, so, movie news. There was one trailer that came out. Here's another thing you can give me a little bit of feedback on. Um, do you want me to do trailer reactions? I don't feel like I have quite the right reaction to them. Um, a bunch of people get really hyped for stuff, and I don't know if you're ever going to see me hyped. Um, I think... The most you'll get is woo. And you know what? Maybe we do trailer reactions just naturally in the episode. How about that? That might work. But as I said, my audio isn't exactly figured out. I'm not going to interrupt to figure that out. So it is. Where is this? 
Oh. Oh, okay. Bo is Afraid. This is the new movie from Ari Aster. He's the guy that brought you Hereditary and Midsommar. So I'm super excited for this. Uh, I don't feel like the trailer gives anything away. It just raises curiosity. And seems like to have a lot of wild creative energy. Similar to, I'm sure it'll have a different vibe, but similar to Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is my favorite movie of 2022. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll have Dan on. We'll do our top 10 movies of last year, but that's just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah, check out that trailer if you want, but I'm kind of feeling these days, I don't really need to watch trailers. If I know about the director or whatever... I'm like, yeah, you got me. I'll I'll see it. I think the only time I really need a trailer is if I'm not totally sure about the premise or like, oh, this person's doing that. Like, oh. But if it's something I'm excited for, a director I trust, an actor I trust, I don't need to see it. I'll just watch the movie. With that, um, this was a little while ago, but. I will recommend watching This Place Rules. This is the... Oh, man, what's his name? Andrew Callahan. He's the guy that does Channel 5 News and used to be all gas, no breaks on YouTube. He got a documentary on HBO. And you can stream it on HBO Max, and it's his lead-up documentary to the January 6th riot. It was very interesting and funny, considering what a bummer... January 6th was. So, gotta give it a lot of credit for that. Being able to be really humorous while tackling that subject matter is really impressive to me. Um, since this was a while ago, I'll just say check out the menu on HBO Max if you haven't. Really good movie. Uh, True Romance, one of my favorite movies of all time. Showed it to my buddy Corey when he was in town. I'd recommend that. The Pale Blue Eye. Don't recommend that at all. Uh, beautiful cinematography and sets and costumes and acting was solid, but slow as fuck. Not interesting. I didn't find it interesting. It's like the stuff that's supposed to be interesting is predictable detective mystery shit and it's not intriguing enough to make you sit through the boring writing that's on stage and it is a little pretentious writing too like the acting they do what they can with it but if i kind of hated the pale blue eye on netflix so that is just me now i suppose We'll get into this section of Movie Talk, where I go into my letterbox and I'll give you my snap reviews of what I watched this last week. Now, what I just did with the menu and all that, that's like a snap, snap, snap review. This will be a little more elaborate, but uh, you let me know how you enjoy this segment. Our first film of last week was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And that was another movie I really hated. I think we went from 
the pale, yeah, what is it, the pale blue eye, which I actually need to throw up on my letterbox, I just realized. Straight into Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, so it was like two bummer movies in a row. I gave it one star, and I did not like it. Let's see what other people thought. This uh, is Travis Willock. He gave it one star. He says, there's camp and there's camp. This is the latter. Not enough tomatoes to justify the few chuckles to be had. Very true. It So, my quick little review of it is that it's like a movie that was made by Tucker, Tucker Carlson or like Ben Shapiro back in the 70s. It's like all right-wing jokes and the shitty humor and... I don't know. Yeah, it's it's all like the ineptitude of government and just foreigners and what is stupid shit. Not funny. The tomatoes sucked. And I was remembering a time when I was younger that I saw uh, um, one of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes movies, and it had to have been the one in the eighties or later, because. Like, I remember, like, some animation, like, some character to the tomatoes. Like, in this version, I think it's a 1977. Oh, 78. Um, yeah, it's just tomatoes rolling on the ground. It's, like, terrible. So, yeah, fuck that movie. I hate that movie. I wouldn't mind if it got destroyed. Although, you should never destroy that stuff. You gotta keep it somewhere. But luckily enough, the next night we watched The Banshees of Inishirin. Um, There's a lot of... I don't know if the Oscar nominations have come out yet. I don't think so. But a lot of people feel like it might get nominated for Best Picture. Um, Colin Farrell won a... Might have, maybe it was a Golden Globe for his role. He's really good in it. I love the movie. I'd give it five stars. And I liked it well made and I was entertained completely by it um scrolling down this um lots of five star reviews um so I think I'll just go with my five star review which is it's a very like simple film in a way like it's just about one guy who's hit a point where he doesn't want to be friends with this other guy anymore. Um, I've heard some talk that it's like an allegory for the Irish Civil War. And I feel like as soon as you throw it on, you, you get hints of that, even if you don't know much about that in history. You're like, oh, okay. There's some pretty strong metaphor stuff going on in this movie. And I wouldn't say that I knew exactly what those metaphors were, but you can get a sense of it. But its ability to play with a metaphor like that and yet still be an engaging story about friends that have like fallen apart because one person's just done with it, I found it very interesting, relatable, unfortunately. And uh, it's just great Irish, like, you know, accent, character, act, like, it was so wonderful. And uh, I'll go ahead and read one star here. This is from Nelson Man. He says, I just didn't get it. Did it 
didn't get into it. What the hell was the hype about? One old man doesn't want to be friends with the other old man, and then it's two hours of bickering. One of the old men chops his fingers off. Spoilers. Just to make a point, I think. Yeah. He's not wrong. This guy is clearly an idiot. Um, yeah, if you can't read into that or beneath that general outline, then I don't even, I don't even get how, how you enjoy movies. I'm not going to throw another movie under the bus just to assume what his tastes are, but yeah, we'll move right along, but good Lord. The next movie was one I had put off for a long time. But that movie is Grizzly Man. And that movie rules. It's hilarious. It's bizarre. It's intriguing. At times kind of sad. And I mean, not only is the main subject matter just like a wild character to follow. But there's also a scene where two bears really go at it and fight. And like one of the bears shits himself. In the middle of the fight, it's like, oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen two bears fight while, like, one shitting. And then it goes back to this crazy motherfucker that wants to, like, go hang out with him. And he's just like, you're a bad bear. I'm just gonna give you a boop. You're bad. Like, what are you doing, man? Why are you booping wild bears? I mean, I just... You have to see this movie at some point in your life. You gotta watch Grizzly Man. It'll... I'm not, it's not gonna change your life. But it'll... It'll make, start making you look at people funny. Because it isn't just the main subject of the movie that's, like, kind of bizarre. It's like, everybody that gets interviewed has, like... A really weird, surreal way of talking and being in the movie. And it almost feels like it's fake. But it clearly isn't, because it's just too elaborate to be that. But... Yeah, um, I'm not even going to bother with the letterbox reviews on that one. Uh, let's get into Nothing But Trouble. Uh, this is a, I think the one time Dan Aykroyd was a director of a movie. And he wrote this movie with his brother, or maybe he just wrote it, but he, he worked with his brother on it in some capacity. Stars Chevy Chase, Demi Moore... And John Candy. And you think, wow, that's quite the cast. Like, this should be pretty great. And it... It's not great. In fact, it's pretty bad. That being said, I was entertained by it. So what I gave it was two stars out of five. But I like it. It entertained me. Because it's just truly bizarre from start to finish. And that's the thing that kind of sustains you through the whole thing it is just bizarre wacky insane shit out of dan Aykroyd's head and if you know anything about dan Aykroyd and his thoughts on conspiracies and aliens and vodka then you kind of get an idea what's going on here but uh we'll check out some reviews for this one this is what I like to see. There's one star, then four stars, then two, then five. Um, two and a half star review by Curse God. 
Bad movie, outstanding production design. That's a really great way of summing it up. Uh, this is five stars. John Candy's performance as the mute, horny granddaughter is genuinely touching. He didn't need to do that. What a king. Uh, I'm not going to say your name, man, because uh, it's a weird... That's what you. That's what gave you five stars was John Candy and drag. All right, I mean it wasn't. It was kind of like a tasteless joke, almost by today's standard, but whatever. Here's another one star review. Dan Aykroyd dressed as a man baby is a perfect metaphor for the making of this movie. You are right, Nico Di Gregorio. I yeah, gotta agree with Nico over five star loving John Candy dressing up as a lady. Dude. Nothing but trouble, do I recommend it? Uh if you feel like watching some really weird shit that'll that's almost nostalgic because of its nineties nineties. It's 91, so it's in that weird spot where it's kind of 80s, but starting to be 90s. Like Drop Dead Fred, Highway to Hell, some other movies like that. And then we watch Total Recall. Pure classic. Reminded me how much I love Arnold movies, how much I love uh, Paul Verhoeven movies. If you don't know who that is, he's the guy that directed... Uh, Starship Troopers, Showgirls, Basic Instinct, um, uh, RoboCop, and Hollow Man, I guess. He had a run. I was talking about it with my buddy Dan, who is going to be the tail end of this episode. He went from RoboCop to Total Recall to Basic Instinct showgirls and starship troopers it's a crazy run all wonderful movies i believe he's dutch and you just i need to see a lot more of his home country movies and some of his other movies that i just haven't caught yet but wonderful style and uh Really hypersexual and violent, but I think he is sort of making a point with it, rather than just being that for the sake of it. But there's nothing wrong with just doing that for the sake of it either. People need to remember that movies sometimes are just for big old gory, bloody, sexy fun. They don't have to always have a message or a point. Sometimes it truly is just entertainment. And that's alright. Also, Total Recall. Let's see if I can find... The guy who did the score. Huh. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith. He's done a lot of other scores, but his score for this is like just great. I love the music in this movie. Oh, he did Alien, The Mummy, First Blood, Chinatown, Gremlins. Wonderful composer. And I am following him on Spotify, so Jerry Goldsmith. Check him out sometime. Do a deep dive. 
realize how great he is. He's right up there with John Williams and Danny Elfman, in my opinion. Maybe Hans Zimmer, all that. All right, with that, I might have missed a couple things. Might have been a little bit clunky on this episode, but that's all right. We're going to transition now to my review of Andor on Disney Plus with my buddy Dan the Man Warnick. Alrighty, we are here in the movie time whatever section of the Jacob Wayne show. This is my first movie times after taking a long break at the end of 2022. And during that time, I've been doing a lot of watch-alongs with my buddy, Dan the Man Warnick. And we realized that uh, we can usually have some pretty good conversations about film and stuff. And since my former consistent co-host, Kellen, tends to be really busy these days, I'm kind of trying to diversify the guests I have on a little more regularly to discuss certain things. There will be certain episodes that are just me, but... On this one, we have Dan the Man joining us, hey. and we're going to be doing a Andor review. That is Star Wars, the Andor series on Disney+. Plus. And before we really get into the depths of all that, uh, Dan, how you doing yeah, today? I'm doing just dandy. Fantastic. Now... How long have we known each other? We might have established that on a previous episode, but... Uh, oh, I don't know. More than 10 years? Uh, let's think. Um, I'm going to say 2008-ish, 9-ish. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Because that's when I started up college, started that's kind when of I w- yeah. hanging out with uh, Kellen a bit more. That's when I graduated high school, so yeah, that's about right. Cool, cool. And... I think one of the initial things we bonded on was film, but also uh, Star Wars in particular. Um, We're both pretty big Star Wars geeks in our own little way. Um, How long have you been into Star Wars? Oh, since I was a really, really little kid, I I used to watch... It's not my favorite film now, but I used to, when I was like five or six, watch uh, Return of the Jedi like every week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so is there even a time you can remember like before Star Wars? No, no. Yeah, me neither. I have really weird memories of the, uh, the Emperor's throne room scene from Return of the Jedi. And like, we'd go over to my uncle's place kind of around Christmas and he'd make the whole family watch the trilogy and my mom hated (laughs) it. But I was like, I don't, these are awesome. Like what? And so I think... I'm a little bit older than you, but um, I think our age range, I think there's a lot that their favorite Star Wars movie is Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because it is a little more childish and we were, you know, that was the last one to come out and the most, you know, silly, I guess. Got the Ewoks and, you know, all the puppets and aliens and... and yeah. It's a lot more silly than the others, so it kind of strikes a chord with kids more than the others do. The yeah, first two. No, I remember uh, loving Ewoks. I loved the Ewok Adventures that came out on the Disney Channel. Yeah. Um, the throne, 
the throne room scene was like incredible to me when I was younger and really dramatic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, Jabba the Hutt was like, weird. And so, yeah, in, in a weird way, like the world building and the universe building that's in Return of the Jedi is like amazing. And I don't remember having a strong attachment to A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back until later. I kind of yeah. like drifted away, you know, just being a from 10 to 15, like I, I'm too cool. What's like the coolest thing, which so I was only watching MTV and all this random shit on TV. Yeah. And then I finally sat down with uh, my buddy Steve and we're like, all right, let's watch this trilogy and like actually watch the movies. And I remember thinking A New Hope was boring until it like really gets going and then it's like oh wow that's actually really effective and you know intense like by the time the death star blows up you're like yeah like hell yeah oh yeah empire strikes back actually maybe took me the longest to appreciate because it is kind of a downer yeah but it's a lot more mature yeah as i uh obviously got older then it's like it's like okay that's an amazing film and stands on its own even outside of star wars a bit as just a really great movie yeah and so i don't know let's kind of like steam ahead a little bit a little faster we're obviously original trilogy kids oh yeah um how old were you when a phantom menace came out oh i don't know i'd have to look up the year probably around 10 or 11 when a phantom menace came out Yeah. yeah 1999 i'm pretty sure was it pretty sure well then i would have been yeah eight all right so i yeah, would have yeah, been 99 yeah 13 so those are kind of really distinctly different ages they are but, I, uh, I mean yeah it was star wars so i was into it obviously and i was you know like eight or nine years old so yeah I, of course i loved it i didn't have the same attachment I did to the original series just because that had been with me longer, you know? Sure. It was kind of this new thing and new is always exciting when you're a kid. So it's not like I wasn't into the Phantom Menace, but it didn't have the same kind of like staying power as the original. Well, so that is interesting. If you're about eight, um, we're not doing this purely chronological or anything, but there's a lot of to do in the Star Wars subreddits and chats and fandoms about how there's suddenly this revival of love for the prequels and everybody hating on the sequels. And a lot of people have been like, well, maybe that's just how it works. The people that were fans of the original trilogy were a bit older, saw the prequels and hated them. But then the kids that saw the prequels, um, you know, grew up with those, so love those and don't like the next stuff. I think that there's a thread of truth to that. But I think if you're being honest and fair, and especially as a fan of movies, the prequels just aren't as good as the original trilogy. That yeah, being objectively, said, I'd say, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> great story. And yeah. we can get into that later, but yeah, 13 years old, I was probably at the age where I'm going to start being like, I'm too cool for school, so I'm going to immediately yeah. 
harp too cool on for the, that you know jar jar yeah. and all that stuff like i'm ready to make fun of it yeah and i was young enough to not give a shit about you know oh there's this silly dumb character i mean it's not like i latched on to jar jar and was like oh jar jar is great it was like oh okay whatever yeah you know it it didn't bother me because i was a kid you know well and so i will say this like for as much as i have a lot of issues with those prequel movies i like them more and more as time goes on i appreciate things about them more as time goes on, yeah. I still think there's a lot of really silly, terrible shit in them. And, yeah. <laughs> but that's fine because it's like when you take a, like an IP or a, a story that is supposed to have as broad of an audience as possible, that's just such almost an impossibility to make a really great movie when you're doing that because you're trying to appease so many different tastes and styles that, it's going to yeah. kind of come out a little wonky. And so that is what's amazing about A New Hope and kind of in its simplicity is that it's like, wow, it has such a broad appeal. And it's kind of hard to take a lot of dings at it. But um, yeah. with the prequels, each time they came out, I was hyped. I was like on the internet chat rooms, like the speculations yeah. and set photos. And I was always like okay this one they're gonna correct it and they're gonna like this one's not gonna be as goofy as the last one and yeah and they actually did kind First, of follow yeah. that a little bit like each one got a little a little cooler. better yeah. Yeah. although in hindsight i like a phantom menace a lot more than attack of the clones but yeah but but we could do a yeah. ranking episode sometime in the future yeah. let's <laughs> let's get into the nitty-gritty here that that Prequels left kind of a bad taste in everybody's mouth, unless you were maybe a kid that just didn't give a shit. You're like, yeah. these are just awesome. But uh, when Disney said, we're buying the rights to make 7, 8, and 9, there was always the mythical 7, 8, and 9. And the hype train immediately started back up. My my nerddom immediately like went off again. And the first, like, trailer and teasers for The Force Awakens, like, got me all hype as fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah. And let's just say that's another subject we can really get into of, like, what, why the sequels didn't work. But I enjoy Force Awakens and Last Jedi enough. But the way that 7, 8, and 9 function as a whole, like, I can't stand and I like the prequels more. And it, I, yeah. it's all the studio meddling and, oh, fans didn't like The Last Jedi, so let's fire this guy yeah. and hire this dude. And the design by plan. committee yeah. kind of thing. I hated yeah. it. And I, the only one of those original nine movies that I like, I have a hard time wanting to ever see it again is The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like, it's such a clumsy by committee terrible way to end it all which we also know star wars will never end yeah. like they might put it away for a little bit but doubtful mm-hmm. so yeah i think a lot of star wars fans especially of our age range kind of by the end of episode nine uh we're feeling pretty fucking out of it and like not that 
Like, I don't even know if I... Uh, whatever, Star Wars, I guess. Yeah. And Solo yeah. was fine. I actually really liked Rogue One. But yeah. I yeah, am in the camp that likes the more of the Jedi stuff. So mm-hmm. when I watched Rogue One, I was like, okay, cool, Rebels. It's like kind of a war film. I like it, but where's my, like, magical Jedi stuff and aliens and mythology? And so I... Yeah. I I remember looking back at that feeling like I was missing a little something, which we will get into with Andor. But uh, then we have Mandalorian. That was actually pretty great when that first came out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is Star Wars-y. Yeah, I enjoyed the more space western-y kind of feel to it. Yeah. It... Felt a little more like, um, kind of like the a New Hope vibe, sort of, but you know, more more Western, more space Western than that. Yeah, and it was like that old TV show, Kung Fu, kind of adventure of the week. Yeah, kind of going on these little adventures, and just the Mandalorian little... shows up and helps out, and then boom, on to the next episode a little bit. Yeah, yeah, more standalone episodes with a little bit of a through line, you know. Yeah. So Mandalorian comes out, that kind of takes a bit of the bad taste of the sequel trilogy out of people's mouths, and it starts yeah. reviving Star Wars a little bit again, I think, for a lot of people. Although, as you get into Mandalorian Season 2, it does. there's a meme that went around that was like Jon Favreau like, writing a Star Wars show, and it's just this little kid with all his action figures. Yeah. It yeah. did kind of become this thing where it's like, alright, what if a... What if a bantha comes in and fights an Ewok, like, but on Tatooine? And you're like, okay, cool. And you have to remember, it's like, okay, Star Wars is for kids, first and foremost. George Lucas always said that. But, you know, being an older dude, I'm like, ah, what if they made, like, a more adult badass Star Wars, though? They could do that, too. But, you know, I'm like, they won't do that. And then they released Book of Boba Fett, and that's where shit started to get wonky again. There's Billy. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I love Robert Rodriguez, but that man can get really fucking corny. Yeah. Uh, definitely. He went way more shark boy and lava girl on book of Boba Fett than he went desperado. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, damn it. Like, and I think maybe one of my least favorite things in star Wars happened in book of Boba Fett which is those Gen Z bikers on the super colorful bikes chasing that dude that worked for the mayor. It did not fit in at all. They felt like they were like transplanted from a completely different universe. It did not work. (laughs) And like, it was so slow. Like, did they try to make this chase seem as like slow as possible? (laughs) People just kind of slowly walking by him like, Oh geez. It's like, remind me of that Seinfeld episode where, uh, George is on the scooter bike and he like bumps into the old folks with their scooter bikes and their gang. Yeah. And then they just chase him down the street and people are just like walking by him. (laughs) But, uh, and I really liked the Mandalorian 2.5 episodes that existed within book of Boba Fett. That was really cool, but it just showed how much they gave a fuck about Mandalorian and Ahsoka a little bit. And Mm -hmm. that, part of the story and then won't well, people wanted Boba Fett, right? Like so just uh fucking 
There you go. So then the Disney corp- corporate uh, by committee laziness has started starting to creep back in a little bit. Yeah. Then Obi-Wan. And I I was really disappointed with Obi-Wan in a lot of spots. Yeah. I think uh, by the end of it, there was enough stuff that I enjoyed, that I appreciated, that we got to see, and like kind of the Vader, Obi-Wan stuff. Yeah. Mostly Vader stuff. But man, and not to knock the acting of the actress that played Leia, but just the Leia stuff. Yeah. I, I hated it. Once again, super slow chases. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like god damn it. This feels like a CW show. Like, and yeah, just like, I'm not going to listen to you, Obi-Wan. And then she like runs through the streets and just, it's like, oh my God, this is like really annoying. Yeah. But, um, so by the end of Obi-Wan, I'm kind of like, ah, geez, maybe, am I just getting old and like cynical? And yeah, I definitely am. But, uh, then Andor comes out and then I saw, well, before Andor comes out, I see the trailer. And even from the trailer, you could see that there was more attention and care put into the set design. Oh, and yeah. And the scenery and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, like that actually looks really good. But I'd already been burned too much by Disney stuff. So I was like, still kind of like, okay, Andor's coming out. I'm definitely watching the first day it comes out. But we'll see. And we'll get into this in depth, but Andor, as it stands right now, is my favorite Star Wars content ever. This might—I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'd say my favorite of since uh, probably even before the Phantom Menace. I mean, like it's. After the original series, it might be my favorite content. That's fair. Now, uh, I guess this is where we start kind of cutting into it and parsing it up. Um, Yeah. So I guess we could start here. Why does Andor work and Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, and even elements of Mandalorian not? I, I, it's really hard to put, you know, a, a, a a sentence to that, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of things that come together that make it just better content objectively, Uh, whether it be the, the, the writing is a lot more believable, less silly, the, 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 just the um so believable believably written it's it uh has more mature themes which i guess can turn some people off i mean there are some people who don't like this series which i don't understand but we'll get into um, that mature thing in a little bit yeah um it uh it it has a, a more like a, a grittiness about it where you're you're seeing like the 
the the every man's view of the empire the oppression of the empire on the people that you kind of miss in the other series like it's it's very monolithic that the empire is in the other series it's just like they're this big evil they're over there you know you don't really you don't really see them up close and how they interact with the the common man i guess yeah you don't see their tendrils like yeah crawling into everything yeah and i would say for me why andor just at its bare bones functions better than those other shows and the sequels um is because yeah better writing just in general um but also they they give you characters that aren't affected by legacy yeah and they're not just smashing different legacy characters together for the sake of seeing them together yeah it's not ham-fisted fan service yeah so where some people give it um, marks of like, I don't know, this Andor is the thing I hear more than anything is that it's boring or slow. Yeah. And obviously yeah. boring and slow are two different things, but some people can't tell the difference. Yes. And definitely. it is definitely slow. It I, requires attention. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be like picking up the little details, but it's having all these new characters and the work they do to make you like them and get to know them reminds me of the the earliest trilogy of like you kind of don't know what any of this stuff is but they're going to throw you in with these characters and you just kind of follow them along while they're doing their thing. Yeah. Rather than yeah. this big yes, like overly dramatic or like what if we get to see that character with this character? That character is related to this character. Yeah. Will this one turn good or turn evil? It's like it's like beyond that. This is just this is the these are these people in their day to day lives, and this is this evil thing that's affecting them. Yeah, and yeah, like one element you pointed out, but absolutely is that this is the first time the Empire has actually felt like, man, I fucking hate the Empire. Or yeah, like it's oppressive. creepy or scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like spoil this whole thing's gonna be spoilers, so you know, just be ready for that. But um Yeah, the the prison scene or not scene, yeah. but like episodes. The arc, yeah. The it's just arc. like <laughs> when you're not watching that show and you're just kinda going about your day to day life, but it's like while you've been watching it, you're like, Ugh, you'll just catch yourself thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And just like being creeped out by it, like now, there's nothing in the other series that like stuck with me much, other than maybe Darth Vader's mask getting broke in Obi Wan, yeah, and then him saying that is like you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did, like mm-hmm. that. I found myself like ah, that's that's pretty great, and then the the lighting of the lightsaber and stuff, like there's good stuff. I think in every single one of them, but oh yeah, I think that is that a thing of just storytelling and I guess in the sense working with these IPs or these um, different franchises 
Is that the biggest mistake that a lot of these people are making with remakes and sequels and rebootquels and all that? Is that they have to ham fist old characters in so people will go see it so they can see that character again. But as soon as they do that, they're adding to this character that people already had what they needed from it. And then the rest is their imagination. Yeah. So I think like uh, Force Awakens, Han Solo... Yeah. He's like, oh, he's just old again, and like he didn't stay with Leia, and now he's this. Like people hated that. Yeah, people think that they want more of a character, and I don't think they really have thought it through. And I mean, I don't blame the writers for trying to give people what they want. People have been saying, oh, I want more of this character. I want to see what happens. You know, all of that. But yeah. inevitably, you're going to piss somebody off. That's just going to happen. And it it kind of constrains you as a writer into to certain lanes that yeah. it, it you're not writing a story as it develops or or you you're you've got all of these little strings pulling at the story that you want to write right. and it it can feel contrived at right. the end. Well, and. So that's kind of like one thing to touch on, at least lightly. Plenty of people have talked about it, but The Last Jedi is that so many people were pissed at the characterization of Luke Skywalker. Like, Luke Skywalker would never do that. But yeah, if you actually step out of it, you're like, well, why wouldn't he do that? There is a narrative where he could be led to being this cynical old hermit that has given yeah. up on the Force and all this stuff. And... I think you can criticize Ryan Johnson's writing all day. I don't really like his writing. I think he's a great director. Mm-hmm. But I don't like how he writes characters. I think he's, like, silly and goofy. Yeah. And that's not what people wanted. They wanted a little more drama. But beyond Ryan Johnson, the people I blame the most are the fans of Star Wars. I don't think they know yeah. what they want because... Every time you get into like a subreddit or whatever discussion thread, there's always a bunch of people that are like, this is what they should have done in The Return of the Jedi. They should have had A, B, C, D, and they all are just like, Luke Skywalker's going to pull a Star Destroyer out of the sky and then fling it at Kylo Ren, and it turns out that Rey was actually Obi-Wan. That it, you know, and they, they're like, what? That would be yeah. terrible. But like... They have the vision in their head of it, which it pleases them, which that's why I got to go back to when you write these things, it's like you should have a plan for a three film arc, a trilogy or whatever your arc is going to be. See that to the end. And then for the most part, leave those characters alone. I'm not saying never bring characters back, but it's so much better to just be like oh that was the skywalker saga let's just leave the skywalker thing alone yeah and that's one thing i think works about andor but that's also something i think that they should keep in mind is they seem so terrified about moving into the future like beyond the skywalker saga they keep filling in all these gaps yeah and it's like if you gave us new characters and a new conflict, and you don't rush things, 
you're not like eager to get right back up to like oh there's this emperor type level of evil like right in the first movie you can hint mm-hmm. at it which that's always great but yeah like spend some time with these new characters and there's this new conflict arising and you bond with them so then by the time yeah you get to your third movie or maybe it's a whole nine movie arc or whatever by the time you get to that ninth movie third movie whatever you're like you're invested and you care and you're not wasting time being worried about well did they characterize luke properly when they brought him back to fight in that one big scene that like chews up all the scenery in the second movie or whatever. It's like there's so to get back to Andor specifically, I think that's why you you've had Andor in rogue one, but he's really pliable. Like you've only seen him in one movie and you do kind of wonder about his backstory. So he's not overly defined yet for people. And you can go back. Yeah. And... The the characters that they did bring from other series into this, uh, with the exception of Andor, who you saw a decent amount of, yeah. uh, like Mon Mothma. Oh, yeah. Know almost nothing about her from, you know, the right. original series. And she is just open to whatever you want to do to that character. And you're not likely to piss anybody off. Yeah. And introducing those characters back, I don't really have a problem with because you're not beholden to previous material as much. Well, I suppose that is kind of what it is. Is So Mon Mothma is like kind of a side character in Return of the Jedi. You remember her, and she's yeah, important. you know who it is. But she's sort of a blank yeah. slate, so to get more with her in another thing is really great. Like, yeah. they could have had... A scene, and it wouldn't have fit in Andor. Maybe they'll have him in the second season as he gets more involved with the Rebellion, but you could have Admiral Akbar and a little more scenes with him, and people would be like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, but if he starts going like, it's a trap, you're just like, oh, God. It starts to get corny because they're just repeating beats rather than developing the character. So, but yeah, it is interesting that uh, the original trilogy is such a defining arc for Luke that adding anything else major to him is really difficult. I'm not saying it can't be done because it's yeah. like, I don't know, because it, it's like, yeah, you do kind of want to see like, how does he go out and you do want something kind of epic and I I don't hate Last Jedi like a lot of people do, but kind of what I hate about Last Jedi is more like the Canto Bite stuff. Yeah. But um, I guess that's kind of what it could... That is an element of why Andor works, but uh, I suppose that does lead me into that, is when I saw The Last Jedi, it was Canto Bite. Ah, oh, this is corny. Ah, oh, the Rose character's corny. Oh, Finn's all corny now. They just re they introduced this Benicio del Toro character that's just pointless and you don't need him. Yeah. And but that's where we run into this conflict is some people with Andor say, Oh, it's not Star Wars because it's there's nothing for kids in this. 
there isn't enough like kind of I'm not gonna say goofy, but there isn't like humorous alien stuff going on as much. Yeah. Or like things like that. And that's an argument I can hear certainly where I'm like, well, okay, yeah, because there's times when you could drop into Andor and watch it on its own and enjoy it outside of Star Wars. Yeah. So there is that sense that how Star Wars is this really? And like, hmm, that's a that's a good point because yeah, there are elements of Star Wars stuff that you're missing that I guess me who usually likes R-rated content, adult content, more mature mm-hmm. stuff like I yeah, you don't have to have a silly farting alien. I'm good. Yeah. Like but people are like, no, like, where's the fucking lightsabers and, like, all that stuff and more connection to Star Wars stuff. Like, maybe, like, Black Sun or whatever. Like, yeah. a little bit of the geeky fan service stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. What are your I, thoughts on that? I think that kind of connection to the the wider Star Wars story and, and even, like, the, the tone of other Star Wars content the disconnecting from that is why it works in my opinion mm-hmm. it's also why some people don't like it which is fine you don't have to like everything sure. but that's why i enjoyed it so much is it felt a lot more fresh than uh just rehashing the same thing i don't want to watch the same movie again i don't want to watch the same tv show again sure even if it was great you know if if it's already been done, just go watch that. You liked it originally. Go watch it. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't need to be done again. I felt like this was telling uh, a a side of the overall, you know, Star Wars canon that mm-hmm. wasn't explored very well. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just, uh, oh, meanwhile this is what's happening to these characters. Like it was, they're fully fledged characters that, you know, have their own motivations and sometimes very complex motivations. And they, they, uh, it stands on its own. And I think that's what, um, a lot of star Wars content is missing is it, it leans too heavily on everything else. Right. Well, so yeah, like one thing I came across was one of my favorite characters in the show, and I think for a lot of people is the character of Luthen. Yeah, he's great. Stellan Skarsgård, and you know he gives Andor that Kyber crystal necklace, mm-hmm. and he seems really skilled and like able to do all this stuff. And so obviously a bunch of people are like, "Whoa, did he used to be a Jedi?" Yeah, and they want that, and they're like, "Oh, but like the corny thing that." disney star wars might do it's like another jedi survived order 66 and yeah and it's like now you're taken away from the impact of what order 66 is supposed to mean yeah and it's just like he doesn't need to be a jedi but also you don't need to answer that yeah you can just leave it a mystery you could leave it mysterious yep and the character himself is mysterious so yeah and it's like i don't need everything yeah, <laughs> if you if you can like pepper in a bunch of like maybe's, that's like so much more satisfying sometimes. Yeah, 
Then just like, yep, he was this, and he trained under this and that, and that's how he's connected to Qui-Gon. And it's like, quit connecting everything. I Yeah, and a lot of fans love maybes. They think they love answers. They think they love, oh, this is exactly how the story goes, and that's it. Yeah, And that's not true. They love maybes. Fans love maybes, because then they can get all in their head about it and and talk to their friends about, oh, it could be, it could be. Sure. That's what a lot of Star Wars fans love. But answering those questions is always, well, not always, most of the time, pretty unfulfilling, in my opinion. Usually it is, and I, I do, that's maybe a discussion for another time, but it's like something like Lord of the Rings. At least, hopefully, they never expand beyond the source stuff. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to do kind of their own thing with the Rings of Power and it, whatever the rights end up being specifically with Sal Marillion and whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe reinterpret it, but there's a level of fandom of that where you like knowing where everything came from, what its hierarchy and importance is within the, yeah. the good versus evil story, but... I think that's what works about Lord of the Rings is it is good versus evil. Yeah. So you like it defined and you like to know who the big bad guy is that influenced this guy that connected here. Star Wars has that element to a degree, but there's also, this is just a gigantic universe where it's interesting to jump into it and live in it. Yeah. So you yeah. could have like a buddy cop smuggler movie and it doesn't have to be Han Solo and Chewbacca. It could just be like, oh, this is set in the Old Republic when crime was cracked down on way more. Yeah. And it's these little smugglers running around. And, oh, yeah, they went to this planet that, you know, but, you know, being connected to a certain planet thing is a lot different than, is he related to a Skywalker? Like, <laughs> it's like, you don't yeah. need that. But, um, so I don't know. Let's see here. Uh... So let's hit a couple things before we wrap this up. With Andor, what are things that in Season 2 do you think they could add that maybe scratches the itch of some Star Wars fans and makes it a little more Star Warsy without losing the quality of Season 1? I don't know. That's, that's a hard, hard thing to do. I mean... I think it will occur naturally just by the nature of it getting more yeah, into being... the rebellion. Yeah. You'll see Mon Mothma maybe leave Coruscant and become like, yeah. like, well, I have to run, be a runaway now. And yeah, those things, I think it'll naturally occur and they probably already mapped that out, but people are just impatient. Yeah. I, I have a feeling they're going to bring on the Organas somewhere in connection with Mon Mothma, you know? Yeah. So I, I hope they don't bring in Leia, too yeah, much no. <laughs> but I'm <good. laughs> uh i'm fine with them you know bringing on the organas just sure. not Leia herself yeah just um, have bail show up for a thing yeah um yeah i've been four it's cool maybe set up yeah. that base i don't know yeah yeah you could do that for sure i mean the characters that i want to see more of aren't involved in the rest of star Wars really as far as I'm, I know, you know, I want to see more of Luthan. Uh, yeah. I want to see more of, uh, 
Kino Loy, the Andy Circus character, but yeah. I mean, if if they just left that where it is, I'd be fine too. Sure, I loved the character; it was great. It would be interesting to see, you know, if if, if something out. happens with him after yeah. that. Yeah, but if if you know, if they just left it right there, fine, perfect character ending, great. I want to see more of Saw Gerrera. I really like that character. Yeah. I think inevitably you will just because yeah. of his presence in uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah. I I want to see that ISB agent go full dommy mommy on the one dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like just yeah, get get him like with a ball ball gag in his mouth. Like <laughs> that that was one thing in a uh, Andor where Bix like shows up at the one dude's apartment late at night. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, sex exists in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Like, it sounds like such a tiny little thing, but it's like, it's so much more human, you know? It's just like, oh, yeah. Jealous boyfriend. Yeah. She went and, went and hooked up with him, but he's like, who's this Who's this guy? And it's like, yeah, it's, that's pretty natural. It's normal. And, like, that was yeah. stuff that existed in the original trilogy. Just the relationship back and forth with Leia and Han. Like, are they going to hook up? Are they like, what? Like, could they? That's, like, just human relationship stuff that existed while this other big universe stuff is happening. Which, yeah. all of that stuff in the sequels and the prequels was, like, so clunky. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I I love you, but I hate sand. Or then like <laughs> Finn, sort of like wanting uh, Ray, but like ill-defined. Like there's no real. Or yeah, like just suddenly Kylo and Ray are in love with each other. Like wait, what? Like yeah. Eh. Star Wars has never really done romance well, in my opinion. It I just... I think the flirting with Han and Leia was good. Yeah, but that was, I mean, that, I wouldn't call that exactly a romance plot. I guess it kind of is, but it wasn't. Well, like all their like, their back and forth banter, and that's why it's yeah, the Empire will they won't back. they? Yeah, like yeah. at the base, and then they're stuck in the ship together, and it's just like tension. Like yeah. I think that's never been better in any other bit of Star Wars than that. Yeah, and I love those moments of just them and the Millennium Falcon, like, just kind of with the sexual tension. Like, I yeah. love those parts of Empire Strikes Back just as much as the Boba Fett stuff, and, like, that's what makes that movie so great to me, and that's what exists in Andor, is that there yeah. are these, like, nice relationship-building things, like with Bix and... Or, yeah, yeah. like, the, the weird fucking mom of the one guy what's his oh name? yeah yeah that was, it's a very interesting dynamic uh i i don't remember her name but um cyril uh, karn isn't that the cyril is the yeah her, her yeah. son oh and his like little speech like he's trying to motivate like the corporate guards to like well, we'll, well if we work as a team we'll we'll make it happen believe in the uh, the unity of uh of yeah. being lawful and everybody's just like oh god <laughs> what yeah. is he gonna be done i that's it goes back to uh, that 
I don't know his character, especially the like the ruthless kind of rat ladder climbing, you know, self uh, important kind of. Uh, I don't know. It, it's he. He's not like evil per no. se. He's just outrageously ambitious, right? In like he 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 craves you know that that climbing of the ladder, and it. I I liked seeing that kind of thing in relation to the empire. Like the yeah. it, they're not all just like this monolithic evil. They're just self-interested assholes. Like everybody in the world is, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, but it was such a well-defined character. Cause it's like, you get that first initial bit. He fucks up, has to go live with his mom again. Yeah. You get a taste see of his like, motivations Oh, this well. is how his mom is and was when he was growing up. So no wonder he's like, a light yeah ladder climbing and like also wants to get the fuck out of there yeah and it's so well defined and yeah he's just such a simp through the whole thing for like yeah the isb super ordered lady and it's well defined you go go to the star wars sequel trilogy look at a character like general hux he's a screaming virulent nazi in the force awakens and then he turns into a wacky like slipping on a banana type character in rise of skywalker well even in last jedi like so it's not rise of skywalker's fault like and what they did to finn like finn was an intriguing character that they just fucked up his character in the next two movies yeah and it's just like so much of that is because they didn't really know what these characters were yeah they knew they wanted a black stormtrooper the lady main protagonist they wanted like a cool chrome lady and a stormtrooper (laughs) captain phasma like that'll look cool yeah and it's like yeah it looks cool but uh like why that it'll sell a lot of action figures (laughs) right you know like it's but it's like how many do action figures even sell as much as they used to do when we were little i don't know i I know i had kids are that into it I don't know. That's once again a discussion for another thing. But uh Um yeah, my I think that's my only real criticism of it is that perhaps it doesn't have enough Star Star Warsiness in it to get people through the slow parts. Yeah. I don't think it's a boring show. I think it's slow, definitely. Yeah. I mean it's an espionage you know, spy kind of thriller. It's not yeah. like, I don't know. It's not lightsaber battles and big flashy explosions the whole damn time, sure. which is what some people want. So I, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like maybe occasionally. Well, okay. So there's, and there's an answer to this. Like, they're like, why is it all these humans in the ISB and all that stuff is like, well, it's, I know that was maybe in Legends content, but um, yeah, like the Empire was always like racist and xenophobic. Yeah, yeah, like, they're racist. Yeah, it's surprised like, they the, don't want a lot the of Nazi allegories are racist. What? Yeah, but uh, so there is that. But it's like, yeah, okay, maybe create more alien type characters for yeah. scenes that are just as in depth and like well written. Yeah, it's coming out of an alien. Maybe that like sucks in a couple more people. 
I really don't yeah. know. But it's like, uh, I do have a hard time finding stuff I didn't like about it. And I, I think, especially kind of pulling away from Andor and looking at the big picture of a Star Wars right now, I hope that they learn that they can make the cartoons for kids and the lighter fare for the whole family to go see like around Christmas, but then also make more adult content. That's like more in depth with the politics and yeah, the espionage and all this other stuff. There's plenty of room, plenty of room for lots of different kinds of content. It doesn't all have to be in this one lane. And it, and it can be new characters. And I think people will get attached quickly. Like, um, with Game of Thrones, like I don't I don't hate the ending of Game of Thrones as much as some people, but it was definitely a wonky ending. Yeah. So when they took a break and then they're coming back with House of the Dragon, I'm like, ah, I'm pretty cool and do I even want to see this? But like as soon as it started, I was like, Oh no, I love this universe. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm already in. Like I like the way this world is. I like the tone and I'm ready to follow these new characters. Yeah. And I think it would be just as easy with Star Wars, but yeah, they get nervous. Yeah. Um, did you have any other notes on Andor? Uh, no, not really. Would love to see more Luthan. That's my other note is love Stellan Skarsgård. Think he's a great character, really well written, real mysterious and all that. Love him. Yeah. I think his speech about, what has he sacrificed is maybe my favorite chunk in the whole series. Yeah. And then also when they're about to like pull him in with the tractor beam and he just goes all badass on him. Yeah. I'm like, damn. All right, cool. But, uh, I love Diego Luna. Um, I love Andor himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. A wonderful protagonist. I, I could just follow him around doing whatever it is he's yeah. doing. Um, yeah. The torture scene, like, I love that, like, with Bix and the interrogation from, yeah. uh, what's her name? Oh, what is her name? Um, Marva? No, oops, oops, no, that's not her. Deidre? Deidre? Yeah, yep. Yeah, her, like, yep, little that. lip snarl when she's, like, in her face. Real yeah. subtle, nice acting. Oh, and I got to give a shout out to uh, B2 Emo. <laughs> uh, like, I love that little droid. He's just like, don't leave me alone. He's just like, you've been charging all day. He's like in his little doggy bed when it's like a droid yep. charger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he might. I really love K2SO from Rogue One. Yeah. But yeah, B2 Emo might be my favorite Star Wars droid. Yeah. I love that little fucker. I don't yeah, know. He was, he was pretty good. Any Anything else? Uh, Any other notes? Uh, no, don't think so. Um, uh, the, I'll be very interested to see where they go from here. I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls that they could get into, but I mean, that's, that's just, true of anything sure um but i hope that uh disney looks at the critical response to this show maybe isn't quite doing the viewing and the numbers that they want but um 
but obviously it has, I think, the best critical response. Yeah, of all yeah. the shows, and I think even Diego Luna won something, which I don't know the last time anybody won something for like acting in Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I hope that this influences, like, once again, I want each show to have their own style and their own approach. But with the Acolyte coming out in the future, mm-hmm. I'm like, I hope yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, we can be more adult with this. Yeah. And because, yeah, as I said earlier in this discussion, I'm definitely more on the Jedi Sith part. So if you can take a little bit of the maturity and the adultness of Andor and inject it into that. Ooh, yeah, that, that might be my favorite, but I don't know. I guess with that, we'll maybe uh, wrap it up. Yeah, sounds good. Is there uh, anything else you'd like to come on the show and discuss in the future off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, but... Uh, All right. Well, I'll yeah. let you know when a new series is coming out, making sure you're watching it or any oh, interesting <laughs> little speculative news. Um. Yeah, we'll do some movie reviews, too. We might yeah. be a little late. I'm going to try to be going to the theater a little more this year, if I can. Yeah, it's so, been a long time since I've, yeah. since I've been. So we'll, we'll see about some newer stuff coming out. and We might have to wait until stuff comes out on streaming and then do reviews then, but I don't think people yeah. really mind that much. But uh, cool, thanks for coming on, and we'll be having you on again. Yeah, sounds good. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, 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 oh,